All right. Welcome back to On Capturing Stories. Uh, this week, we're going to be speaking with James Appleton, a location sound recordist, uh, mixer and boom operator. I met James back in 2009 on an independent film project called uh, Recreator. I think it was renamed to the Recreator uh, Chronicles. And since that time, he has gone on to greater and greater success working on and Netflix originals, and I don't want to give away too much, but um, we're really glad to have him on the show today. Welcome, James. Hey, Jordan. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well today. Um, let's start with just paint with a broad brush some of your highlights of your professional career to this point. Uh, sure. So I'm a production sound mixer and a boom operator. Um, so I'm the person on set who records the dialogue for the, that the actors are saying, you know, or if they're interviews for like a documentary, I'm recording the, the sound. So I put microphones on people and sometimes swing the microphone across the room, gathering the sound that the people are saying. So that's the basic premise of what I do. And yeah, I've, I mean, I've had, I've been working for almost 10 years doing this. So I've, had quite a few jobs, but it, things have gone well, mm. fortunately for me. You know, it's the type of career like anything, it kind of snowballs. It starts with one job and then you get another one and then that one tells you about someone else and you kind of snowball. So it's been, I've right. been fortunate so far, thankfully. That's great. And um, talk to us a little bit about those early days. I mean, when we worked that film set together in 2009, we were both in the more the grip, uh, G&E, uh, grip and electric department. And tell me how you transitioned to the sound department and what one, some of your early breaks were. Sure. Um, so when I finished, I went to college for television production. And when I finished school, I wanted to work as an editor. And I worked in post-production for a couple years and knew long-term, I just couldn't sit at a computer in a windowless mm. room forever. So I knew long-term that was not the best bet for me, even though I enjoy editing, it's the assistant editing elements that are not enjoyable. So that was part of the career I was stage I was in. So I pretty much got out of that and started finding jobs on set. I'm a very physical person. So the departments of the grip and electric departments appealed to me. So I started, I, you know, right. figured out how to get some jobs in that department, meet some people, network the same way you do in any industry. Got to get creative with how you find people. Um, so I did that and I played in a, played in the band my whole life. So music and recording always kind of made sense to me. So while I was on set, I knew the sound department also appealed to me. And for me, I was able to meet lots of sound mixers from jobs I was working in the grip department on. And I expressed mm -hmm. interest to them that, you know, I'm actually kind of looking to also work in sound or transition to sound and any sound mixer that hears a grip, tell them that is always going to be super pleased to hear that so both of the sound mixers that really kind of gave me my start i was their boom operator for a while both of them i met while i was a grip on a different movie so that was like the beginning the beginning of the career and then slowly started saving up money and buying equipment and then you buy one thing and then you do another job and you buy another thing and you do another job and it again it snowballs and now i have a lot of equipment and i'm doing bigger and better movies and TV series and whatnot. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it's always uh, neat to hear a story of someone coming up from humble beginnings. And, um, you know, certainly that's the story that you and I share in common. Um, 
from, you know, just raising our hand and showing up uh, at some sets. And like you said, working the Rolodex, working the contacts and not being afraid to put yourself out there and, and claim it, you know, and saying that, hey, I want to work in the sound department. That's fantastic. Yeah, you so have to those, you have to be willing. Yeah. To, you have to, you know, I mean, this type of work, you have to get creative with how you meet people, because, especially at that early stages, because there's so mm. many people that want to work in this field and then they do it for a second and they realize it's nothing like they expected it to be and they drop out. So at the beginning stages, you got to, you know, you got to set yourself apart. What what is one of those common misconceptions that you see happen a lot as it relates to working in sound department? In sound department, I wouldn't say necessarily in sound. People don't necessarily have a good grasp on what the sound department does so okay. much as more of the industry in, in general, you know, the people don't know about the hours that you work, which are just insane hours. And, you know, sometimes conditions aren't great and, you know, sometimes the pay is not great. So those are more of the misconceptions I was, I'm referring yeah. to within sound department at that point, pretty much people kind of understand what we're doing. We have, here's the equipment we have. We have to, we have to record what they're saying. And that's like, you know, that's the basic premise of what we're doing. So not so many misconceptions within the sound department as it is as, as a, as a uh, industry in general. Yeah. And so certainly for someone looking for a nine to five job with weekly uh, balance, you're not going to find <laughs> no. that. And that's um, what these film yeah. professors in society should be telling people that, but they're not. And kids come out of school thinking that's what this business is. And it's very much not. Not if you want to work on set, you know, where, where the shooting is happening. It doesn't. Those jobs exist in other elements of the business, but not the actual on set work. Being on set. Yeah. And you, you found balance in a different way, James. I think not week to week, but if you look at the year as a whole, how do you see that balancing out? Uh, you mean my time off or like the nine to five having a life element? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. You have sure. a busy season and, yeah. and sort of a slow home life season, right? Yeah. So for me, I travel for work, uh, based on where we live currently. Um, I'll drive, I'll travel down mostly in New York city and occasionally in the Boston area, but there's a room that I rent in New York city in Brooklyn for work. And then I have a house in the Adirondacks as well, right. which is where my wife and my daughter and I live full time, but. I'm some, some years I'm gone more than I'm here, which is unfortunate, but, mm -hmm. um, yes, with that, with that, I mean, I'm like, it's not terrible in the sense of when I'm on a job, even if I was coming home every night, I'm coming, I'm, you know, I'm working 13, 14 hours a day plus commuting. So I'm rarely there, but when I'm home, I'm home 24 hours a day. So there yeah. is, there is a trade off. You know, I just finished six weeks of work. Well, I just finished six weeks plus, I finished 11 weeks of work in 13 weeks. So I was gone for a while and now I've been home for three weeks with another couple of weeks at home. So that, you know, now I have a whole month where I'm not working at all and I'm okay. So there is a trade off. There's a, and if you don't strike that balance of life and you just work these type of hours nonstop all day, every day, you're going to wear yourself out too quickly. Yeah. That, and, and certainly I, I work more in camera department and uh, still a little bit of grip work, but um, it's the same, right? 
on on the clock, you know, sure. on the clock well, I mean, uh, for in, a number of weeks and then not. Yeah, I mean, in, yeah. in my industry, which is, you know, working on movies and television series, every, you know, everyone works kind of the same hours, more or less. Mm-hmm. Some departments end up working a little more. But, yeah, that the, the lifestyle of working on movies in the narrative world, that's that's what it is. Yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. I, I think, you know, listeners should be more aware of that. That's fantastic. Let's uh, switch switch things up here, James, to some of your more recent projects. I know you have a few uh, that you've been recording for that are still in production. You might not be able to speak to uh, what those are exactly, but uh, some recent stories of uh, some interesting sound capturing uh, uh, situations you've been in. Sure. Uh, I mean, I could speak. The, the, that whole you can't say anything is is uh not really a big deal um okay. uh but so some jobs i've done recently i did back in the summer i did a woody allen movie called a rainy day in new york that was a really enjoyable job to be on a very enjoyable work experience um i just finished a movie a few weeks ago that steven soderbergh directed he's and he shot the movie on an iPhone, on two iPhones. So that was one of the more unique jobs that I've been a part of as of recent. And then other than that, it's not, and then, you know, little jobs here and there. I just did a, you know, a TV series called Blind Spot. I was mixing on for a couple episodes for NBC. Um, those are, those are some of the more recent jobs that I've been, I've been on all in the sound department, of course. Hmm. Do you find a, a difference between uh, different types of productions and the approaches? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for me, what makes a job enjoyable, so I mentioned that movie of Rainy Day in New York, the Woody Allen movie was enjoyable yes. because the hours were very humane. People were treated very well, treated with respect. You know, everything was you're a professional there to do a job. You're not an inconvenience, which in a, in a world where there's so many people and so many people in a department and so many departments that often happens. And hmm. I went from that job. Let's so, you know, so to show the opposite end of the spectrum, I went from that Woody Allen movie right on to a television series. Not, I won't say the name, but it's a show for FX channel. And yeah. that was the polar opposite. That was a job where the hours were, you know, 15 hours every single day for six weeks. Um, people were treated terribly. People were fired left and right for doing nothing. It was an ego driven type of set atmosphere, just horrible work environment, horrible work experience made a lot of money because we worked so many grueling, Overtime, a- grueling right? hours and we rarely broke for lunch on time. So like, you know, made a lot of money, but it was a horrible work experience. So that going from one that was absolutely excellent to that was, you know, that, I guess that's part of it though. That's the difference between what makes the job nice and not nice. Not How, nice. However, yeah. with it not being a good job and now that I'm, it's over and it's in the past, at least I have fun, funny work stories to tell about that job <laughs> off the air. Of course, of course, of course. Well, um, James, it's always fun interfacing with you and, and hearing what you're up to as of late. Um, for folks listening who are in the production world and might be freelancers or uh, thinking of um, video production um, as a career choice, what are some ways, some of those early projects that students and interns and, and 
uh, newbies will approach, sound is a really important part of any video project. And t talk a little bit, if you can, about some practical tips or advice that uh, folks can implement in their projects. Sure. Um, so especially with lower budget things and any anything really, be it the, you know, the biggest budget Hollywood movie or a student film, if your sound is bad, you're, you're, the, the, the viewer is not going to be interested. You know, you, you've seen, everyone's seen those YouTube videos where someone's just using the, the microphone on the camera and it just sounds like this distant person in a room right. versus the videos where someone has a microphone on them or above their head. They're just night and day difference and the video is exactly the same, but suddenly the whole quality of the whole project as this, as, as one item is drastically different and one seems so much more professional and legitimate because the sound is crisp and clear and, you know, thick and what you're looking for. So I would, you know, sound is typically in my experience dealing with client work, sound often gets kind of overlooked. And, you know, as an, it's a, the joke is that we're always an afterthought, but we're the most important afterthought that could ruin, ruin someone's project or movie or, you know, commercial, whatever it may be. So I would, my, my advice would be to think of sound when you're choosing locations, when you're making your budget, hire someone who does this professionally and knows exactly what to do because man, will it make or break your video if you, if you go cheap on sound. It sure will. And even in recording this podcast episode today, I'm on the road in the Albany area and, uh, the, the hotel complex I'm at, I'm next to a river. Uh, our listeners, unfortunately, probably heard an air airplane go overhead a little while ago and um, just all different kinds of soundings. The, the um, music playing over the PA system, I'm far away from that, but now there's a little bit of wind because we're on a, a canal on a riverway. Um, and yeah, the visuals, that's so true, uh, James. And uh, I work more on the visual side of things. And often that's where 95% of the conversation is about what the viewer is seeing. And I think, I think that that's wrong. I think that it's more of a 50-50 split between what people are seeing and what they're hearing. Absolutely. I mean, it can take you out of the video completely if you can't hear what they're saying or it just sounds terrible. And I always, you know, I'll always say, you know, I always use like my parents as an example of just your average American average viewer and the sense of my mom or dad could never tell you if something is shot well or something is lit well, hmm. but anybody can tell you if something doesn't sound good. It's very common sense. Anyone knows, well, does this sound good? Cause if it, if you notice it, it doesn't sound good. You don't want to notice it. It wants to just, it sound correct to what you're watching and then, and then you, you move on. But if you notice it because it sounds bad, that's instantly you're out of the, you know, you're out of the story, you're out of whatever they're trying to accomplish with the video. So, you know, those are things to keep in mind when you're creating your sound budgets. Absolutely. Well, it's been great having this conversation with you, James. Yeah. Are there any other things you'd like to add before we wrap it up? Uh, sure. I know you mentioned uh, real quick, I mean, you mentioned, you know, the amateur people trying to get into the business. You have, you, you have to do as much as you possibly can learn the different departments as quickly as possible with an idea as to, with knowing I need to figure out what 
path within this business I want to take, be it lighting, camera, editing, sound, art department, you know, all these things, just go do as much as you can so you can experience as much as you can, find the correct path for you and go for it. And you have to separate yourself from other Mm -hmm. people somehow. I always say it's not who you know, it's who knows you because you might know someone who could help you out, but if they don't remember you, if they don't know who you are, you're not, they're not going to help you out. So it's a really tough industry, but it has, it's like anything. It has its, its major advantages and it's all right. It works. That's great advice. So starting out, uh, try a lot of different things and then pick a specialty and stick with it and find a way to differentiate. Exactly. That's great. Well, we're going to include some links in the show notes to some of James' recent work uh, and some things that he's up to. I appreciate everyone who has tuned in to this podcast episode. And uh, this is meant to be a podcast for folks who work in production or want to work in production. And it's meant to provide insight into behind the scenes and how some things work uh, through stories and meeting interesting people like James. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and feel free to reach out with any sort of feedback, comments, ideas for future episodes or folks that you'd like to connect me with and have them uh, share some of their behind the scenes. Have a wonderful day.